0: Hello church, and hello to you if you are watching for the first time. My name is Flick, if we haven't met. There is a scene from the Lord of the Rings movies that I want to describe to you. If you have seen the two towers, you may recognise this scene. It is a battle scene. King Théoden and his people have fled to a fortress called Helm's Deep. They have fled there because a massive army is coming against them, and Helm's Deep provides their best protection against this army. However, once they are inside the walls of this fortress with the army outside their gates, they are basically trapped. Not only is the opposing army huge, it is made up of a new breed of creature, a seemingly invincible creature. The weak stand no chance against their attack. This army seems to have no weakness and they have been created with the sole purpose of destruction. Against this massive army, King Theoden's army appears small and bound to lose. And as King Theoden thinks about his people and the chance that they have to win this battle, he begins to lose hope. But Aragorn, who is there to advise him and fight with him, has not lost hope. He can also see that their chances of winning are unlikely, and Aragorn knows that they might die in this battle. But he is determined not to give in to these evil creatures, hoping that their resistance will be honourable. And Aragorn also has hope in Gandalf. Gandalf, who is a wizard and who is wise and who has powerful connections, has told Aragorn to watch for his return at dawn, and dawn is about to break. And so what you see in this scene is that in the hope that Gandalf might still come to their aid, and in the hope that if all else fails, Aragorn in good conscience will have done what he can to fight against this evil, in this hope, Aragorn convinces King Theoden and his army to ride out to battle. Perhaps you can see similarities between this battle scene, which I've described, and our own current circumstances. Perhaps you feel trapped in what is meant to be your protective fortress by a seemingly invincible new strain of organism, which seems to be everywhere and which seems to have no other purpose than destruction. Perhaps you relate to King Theoden and are losing hope in this battle. I also think that the Christians who are receiving Peter's letter in 1 Peter would also relate to this scene They were facing a different kind of threat, but they were outnumbered and had reason to fear even for their lives. And so the message that we see depicted in Helm's Deep uh, is one that applies to us and to them. What we see is a depiction of the difference that hope can make. Hope is powerful. So I have two questions that I want you all to think about What are you hoping for? And what is your reason for this hope? It might be that your hope is in small things, like my hope that the days will get sunnier. And I have good reason to hope for sunnier days, because winter is ending here, and spring begins next month. And as we move towards spring and summer, it means that we can expect more sunshine. This is what happens every year. This is nature's rhythm. So I have good reason to hope for sunnier days ahead. I'm also hoping for a vaccine to be found for COVID-19, and I'm hoping for a lifting of restrictions in Melbourne. And there is reason to hope for these things. We live in an age of advanced technology. There are scientists around the world working on vaccines. There is experience in the past that we can learn from. So it is reasonable to hope that a vaccine might be made soon. However, there is more uncertainty in this particular hope. And in the same way, I hope that restrictions will be lifted at the end of this six weeks. My reason to hope is that if the restrictions do what is intended, then hopefully the number of community cases will decrease And the pressure on hospitals will decrease and then perhaps as we move around more freely it might not result in the same peaks in COVID numbers and so there is a reason to hope but it's more uncertain because while the current plan has a deadline the last lockdown wasn't actually the last lockdown and I know that the government is having to make decisions without precedent And people may not be compliant with the restrictions, and that's going to impact how effective they are. So my reason to hope for lifted restrictions is less certain. Inherently, hope suggests an element of uncertainty. This is why Paul says in uh, Romans 8, verse 24, hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? There is an unseen aspect to hope. When we hope, we are not guaranteed a particular outcome. But that is not where the power of hope lies. Instead, the power of hope is in the way that it informs our perspective. Hope can make the difference between feeling safe or feeling trapped. When Peter says in verse 14, do not fear their threat, do not be frightened, he is suggesting that a particular hope can ease the fears of these persecuted Christians. The power of hope is also in the way that it motivates our behaviour. And as we see in 1 Peter, 1 Peter 3 suggests that hope can motivate a person to do good even when they are suffering injustice and even though the outcome is not certain. Well, we know that the Christians whom Peter was writing to were in different circumstances to ours. We have the same reason to hope as they did. And this hope is found when we recognise that our victory in Jesus Christ is our reason for hope. Think of the battle scene again. In battle, there is another power which is trying to capture your life This power may even appear to be winning. But Christians believe that Jesus Christ has ultimate and final victory. And if we have accepted Jesus Christ's salvation, we also share the benefits of his victories. It is in these victories we find our reason to hope. This is what Peter reminds the Christians of in 1 Peter 3 verses 18 to 22. In verse 18, Peter says, Jesus Christ was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. And again, in verse 21, Peter speaks about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus has won victory over the power of death by dying and rising again. And if you heard our sermon last week from Rob, he finished off the Apostles' Creed series, and he was speaking about our belief in life everlasting. Christians believe that we can look forward to a physical resurrection and this is the result of Jesus' resurrection. So we have reason to hope because through Jesus we have victory over death. In verse 16 and in verse 21, Peter then speaks of having a clear conscience toward God. Jesus has been given victory in God's final judgment. In fact, Jesus has been made the judge at the final judgment. And as the judge, Jesus promises that we have been given a clear conscience toward God. What Peter speaks about in this passage in 1 Peter is that our baptism is a pledge or a symbol of our clear conscience, of our reconciliation to God. And this gives us reason to hope because we who share in Christ's victory Do not need to fear God's final judgment. Then in verse 22, we see a third reason for our hope. Verse 22 says that Jesus has gone into heaven and is at God's right hand with angels, authorities and powers in submission to him. Jesus has victory and authority over all governments, all powers, all spirits, all illnesses, even over death everything is now in submission to the authority and power of Jesus Christ. And if Jesus has victory over these powers, so do those who are united to Jesus Christ. So Christians have reason to hope that death will not be final for us, that the powers in this world do not have the same authority over us anymore because Jesus is our authority and if Jesus does not fear evil spirits or death, we don't need to either. So when in verse 15, Peter says to the believers, in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord, he's encouraging believers to remember and be confident in Christ's ultimate victory and authority. God's long plan was to do justice in saving people and creation through the suffering, resurrection and rule of one righteous person for all unrighteous people. And he did this through uniting believers to this righteous person, Jesus Christ. We have victory in Jesus Christ. This is our hope. This is not to say that we won't experience trial or suffering but we know that even though we may be under great pressure, God is able to deliver us. Paul in 2 Corinthians, in chapter 1, verses 8 to 10, writes words that I think are good for us to hear. This is what he says. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves but on God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril and he will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. Those of us who have accepted the victory of Jesus Christ as our reason for hope are then also encouraged to apply what Peter says in 1 Peter 3, verses 15 to 17. He says, Be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behaviour in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. For it is better, if it is God's will, to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. If we truly have hope in Jesus Christ, we are encouraged to be ready to share this hope. And at the start of 1 Peter, we have seen that believers are to do good even when others are persecuting them. So these are the chapters where we hear Peter saying, slaves, submit to your masters. Wives, submit to your non-Christian husbands. Do good even though they might be persecuting you. And the implication is that those who persecute us We'll want to know why we still choose to do good, even when we are suffering. And this is a reasonable question. It is counterintuitive to repay evil with blessing. Most of the time, our inclination in suffering is to retaliate or to hide ourselves away, to withdraw. But Peter says, don't lose hope. Instead, revere Christ as Lord and always be prepared to speak about your hope as the reason for your good behavior. Be prepared to speak about the way that Christ's victory gives you hope and encourages you to do good. Now, at the risk of um, selling myself as a bit of a geek, uh, be prepared is the motto of the guides and the scouts. As a guide or a scout, you can earn badges and the way that you earn badges is by demonstrating that you have independence in a particular skill. For example, I earned a badge for camp skills, and in order to do this I had to demonstrate that I could light a campfire and that I could make a bedroll and set up a tent and that I could use particular knots to tie up structures. These skills don't come naturally. They required forethought and practice. And I believe that speaking about the hope that we have in Jesus Christ also requires forethought and practice. Particularly if, under pressure, we are going to speak about our hope with gentleness and respect, as Peter tells us to. If we are able to share our reason to hope with gentleness and respect in small trials, then when bigger trials come, like the Christians were facing in 1 Peter, we will be prepared to do the same. Think about some of the interactions that you see on social media. One person posts their opinion, and it only takes one person to disagree. But if they write their opinion in a way that seems blunt or without nuance, and let's be honest, it's pretty hard to read nuance in social media, then so often we see offence being taken. And the next thing you know, you see this stream of abusive responses because each person chooses to react with offence rather than with gentleness or respect. If we want to be able to speak about our hope under pressure and to do so with gentleness and respect, we will need to practise. Think about a situation where you might be facing pressure at work. If your superior wants you to cut corners, but you know that to have integrity you need to follow procedure, what would you say if your boss asked you why you were making such a pain of yourself, why you were being so difficult? Would your answer be gentle and respectful? Or if you're in a conversation about religion and others are raging at you for being a Christian because they believe that Christianity is the cause of all wars, it's unscientific, it's a crutch for weak-minded people, churches are full of haters. How does your hope in Christ's victory enable you to respond with gentleness and respect? Often these situations feel very personal. And so in these situations, we are inclined to retaliate and to defend ourselves. But Peter says, be prepared to respond with gentleness and respect. And so to do this, it requires practice. And so in these small trials, we can try to do this. This is the space where we learn. But even before this, I encourage you to speak to each other about your reason for hope. I encourage you to speak to each other because I have found that the more that I speak about my reason for hope, the less concerned I become about having to prove my point of view. And as I speak about my hope in Jesus Christ, it grows stronger. And so I want to offer some of the reasons that Jesus Christ gives me hope. And these are scratching the surface. The more I speak about it, the more I think about it how many things uh, about Jesus give me hope. Um, You may or may not relate to these, but I want to start speaking about my hope in Christ in the hope that it will uh, encourage you to do the same. So, for example, uh, when I feel a personal pressure to be thinner or to be willing to sleep around or to suppress my independence in order to attract the ideal mate and make baby so that I can be a real woman, which are pressures that I feel from society and sometimes even in the church, I hold on to the hope that I am inherently valuable because I am made in God's image. And I have been united to Jesus Christ and am now a daughter of God, an heir in God's kingdom. I am empowered by the Holy Spirit to do good works. And for all my weaknesses, God loves and accepts me as I am. This is hope to me. Or when people uh, argue that Christianity imposes unnatural rules and is too restrictive... I hold on to the fact that because I believe Jesus is the author of life, my hope is in the fact that if he says I need to be restrained, then that actually has good repercussions for me and for others and for the environment as well. Or when people have criticised the church for being exclusive, I hold on to the hope that I have in the fact that Jesus is the one righteous saviour for all unrighteous people. My hope is that Jesus is willing to give new life to anyone who will accept him. Jesus is not exclusive. And in discussions when people have said that the evil and suffering in the world proves that God doesn't exist, my reason to hope is that while God's timing remains a mystery to me, there is a reason for the delay in Jesus' return. And I hope that when Jesus returns and final judgment occurs, full justice will be seen. But right now, God is being patient, as we see in verse 20 in today's passage. And God wants all people to be reconciled to him through Jesus Christ, so that they can also share in the hope of Jesus' victory. And as Romans 8.25 says, if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. So this is my reason to hope that there is a purpose behind this delay in God's return. When I speak about these hopes, I feel comforted and excited, and I know that my hope grows. And so I encourage you, if you share this same reason for hope, Which is found in the victory of Jesus Christ, then practice speaking about it so that when more difficult trials come, you will be prepared to share this hope that we have in Jesus with gentleness and respect. As we finish, I want to acknowledge that to be without hope is a terrible thing and it makes life very hard. It is not God's desire. For any of us to be without hope. In fact, in Romans 15 13, Paul calls God the God of hope. So if current circumstances have worn down your hope, making it rec- hard to recognise or hard to hold on to, or if you are despairing and cannot see any hope, then I want to encourage you to seek the professional help of a counsellor or a GP who can provide access to a psychologist for you. If you're in Victoria, you can also call services like Beyond Blue or Lifeline. Uh, If you're a kid, then the Kids Helpline is available to you if you need to speak to someone. And if you're between 12 and 25 years old, then Headspace is a service that you can call to speak to someone about your feeling of hopelessness. If you are feeling hopeless or if you are despairing, please do not feel like you have to go through it alone. This is not a sign of failure in you. Hopelessness and despair are the consequences of a broken world, which is waiting for Jesus to come and heal it. This is what I believe as a Christian. And so it's not failure in you, but it is something that you can use resources to help you with. And so I encourage you, if you are feeling hopeless, to draw on those resources which are available to us while we wait for Jesus to return. To finish, I want to pray the blessing that is in Romans 15, verse 13. I want to pray it for you, and it's short, but I think it's something that we can all benefit from at the moment. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.